coming up in this episode of Not So Secret Dad's Business. And and I don't know about you, but like you know, I, I did it and I did it into the cup, and the, you know, it, I'm like, is this enough? Is this an, like you know, as a man, you want to be able to be like, yeah, I'm gonna fill this cup, and this, you know, the more the more the better, right? Um, and I was like, this is this enough? Like, I don't I don't know. Like, are you new to fatherhood? Not sure if you're dating to your full potential? Well, you've come to the right place. Most dads aren't talking to each other about their lives as dads. Like it's some kind of secret. Well, this is the podcast that takes the secret out of fatherhood. This is Not So Secret Dad's Business. G'day, g'day, and welcome to another episode of Not So Secret Dad's Business. Uh, so, you know, it's Easter weekend, my son and I have gotten away for the long weekend and decided to have a bit of a father-son weekend together this weekend. So, um, you know, like we, we've gotten away and we've just, we had a two and a half hour drive down to the south coast yesterday together and uh, today we're going to, you know, do some bonding activities together. I'm going to teach him how to weld and and, you know, some of those skills that not a lot of other kids really get to learn. But, um, yeah, you know, it's great being able to have this time to sort of just hang out and, and do those things together that we don't normally do at home, you know what I mean? But, uh, yeah, anyway, let's get on with today's episode. So, this episode I spoke with uh, John Popko. He comes out of Pennsylvania in the U.S. Now, he has a podcast called The Popko project where he speaks to a lot of different bands and uh, and stuff like that just sort of getting their name out there so once upon a time john had a radio show on pennsylvania radio doing the same thing and and so that was quite a popular show and he'd gotten that gig after working at the western weekender uh which was an entertainment magazine of all things so his podcast is really cool, check it out, but with today's episode, we sort of sat down and we, we were sort of comparing notes on what our experiences have been going through fertility testing and fertility treatment, and just sort of, uh, you know, the ups and downs and the emotional taxes that come with that as well. So... We have a couple of laughs. We you know, we make a little bit of life light of it. It's not all doom and gloom. But yeah, sit back, relax, and check out today's episode with John Popko. Hey, John. Well, firstly, mate, thanks so much for reaching out to me, and uh, thanks for coming on Not So Secret Dad's business to have a chat with me, pal. So I thought it'd be interesting to have you on the show because I believe you've got a bit of an interesting fatherhood story yourself, haven't you? Yeah, I mean, I don't know how much of a story it is. Uh, you know, I'm, uh, my son—I'm not sure when this this podcast will air, but um, I think by the time this goes out, or probably, he'll probably be four years old. I have a cat too. That's great. You get out of here. Get out. Get going. Get going. Jesus. So yeah, I'm a father of a, a four-year-old, and um, 
you know, we've tried to uh, give him a a sibling, a little brother or sister, and we uh, we've struggled to, to say the least. So that's been it's just been a. I guess we started in 2019, and it, it was we we've always been able to get pregnant very easily. I make light of the situation. I say that uh, we were four for five as far as um, you know. The, the batting average, so to speak. Um, and when we had him, like, it was like, they always talk about how hard it is, or you hear young kids always like, you know, the accidents happening and, and they, they get pregnant early, but getting pregnant like, is very hard. Um, I think it's like a three day window of uh, you really have a, a chance to, to, uh, you know, make that happen. And so I made the joke of like, you know, are these, are these people like just having sex every day, all day? <laughs> yeah i hear you man i hear you but no with him like we we you know we did the thing and you know she was pregnant with him and we had a, a great um uh well she had a great pregnancy and there was no complications no issues uh and then when he was about a year and a half old i guess it was we attempted for um uh, a second and she ended up having an ectopic pregnancy um and that's I, I probably don't know the exact like science behind it, but that's like a, a pregnancy outside of the uterus, I think it is. Yeah, I believe the egg is fertilized inside the fallopian tube. Yeah, so it, it can't go further. And actually the woman, you know, if that was to rupture, uh, the woman could uh, potentially die. So that was pretty scary. Um, so you essentially kill that baby, even though it would never come to, to term anyways. Well, they use a medication. It's like actually, I think it's a cancer medication. Uh, I can't remember the name of it exactly, but um, but a big injection of that, and so that's just a you know hell in itself on the woman. And then we tried once after that, she got pregnant again, and um, we actually lost that one. It was the week that the world shut down in March of 2020. And she actually ended up going to the hospital herself. She had a miscarriage. You know, my son was home and we couldn't send him to daycare. We couldn't send him to, you know, our my in-laws house or my mom's house because they were older and, and we didn't know what Corona was and what it could do. So like I stayed home with him and she drove to the hospital herself knowing something was wrong, you know, and got that bad news. And then she, you know, she came home and, you know, it, it was such a weird experience because, you know, that, that happened, <clears throat> excuse me. And then you know, the world was you know, coming to an end, so to speak. And I don't even know if we actually properly grieved that loss just because of everything going on. And then we tried again, didn't work. And then we tried again and she got pregnant. And then that was the hardest one. So the third loss was the hardest because we were, you know, we saw the heartbeat on ultrasounds and, you know, we were 11 weeks in, we got to the uh, a point where we were going to hear the heartbeat and when they were doing their thing, there was nothing there. So that was like, that was pretty devastating because her, her other losses were fairly early, like five, six week mark. So this was like, we were almost at that 12 week mark. We thought things were you know going well. And then, you know, we lost that one too. So three losses. And then we experienced just the inability to get pregnant after that. So uh, it's been a rough, a rough two years. Uh, you know, you throw a pandemic on top of that. And uh, it becomes a little more difficult, but uh, 
Yeah, it's it's hard to navigate. And you're a dad, right? You know, it's like it's such a such a rewarding experience. And I would always tell people, like, even if they, you know, they were on the fence about having kids, like, I always like, I wish I could let them know what it felt like to have a child, not to try and persuade them, but like, just to like have that ounce of that feeling just for a day, because it's like nothing else, you know that, right? Yeah, I understand what you're saying there. Like, um, I've always wanted to be a dad. And being a dad now, I'm living my best life. I tell everybody, you know, it's, I'm a, I'm a welder and I'm a dad. And those are the two jobs I'm really fucking good at. But yeah, it's, it's strange because I'd love to be able to, like you, tell people or, or try and convey the message of how rewarding it really is. And I know it's cliche to say, but you never realize how impactful it is until you have a child. And you really can't, you can't put that message across. It's, it's, it's something that can't be put into words. It's something so, so left field that you really, yeah, you can't explain it to anybody that doesn't have kids. Yeah. I was, uh, I was 35 when we had him and um, <clears throat> we were always kind of on the fence. Uh, she always wanted kids. And I was kind of like, if we have kids, great. If we don't have kids, great. So like, you know, she was in school forever. She decided to like take the longest way possible to get her degree. But I wish I would have done it earlier. I wish I, like, I was 35. We had him and I'm like, man, I wish I would have done this earlier because now I feel like I'm going to be the old dad because I'm, I'm 39 now. So we're we're uh, going through IVF now, and hopefully, uh, when this airs, we'll have good news on that front. But at that point, hopefully, you know, if that that all works out, I'll be you know maybe forty by the time we have a second. So it's like that's getting up there, you know. Thankfully, fortunately, she's four years younger than I am, so she still has time. But uh, but yeah, yeah, that's sort of the situation we're in at the moment. So. Uh... I mean, I have no biological children of my own because I have my own fertility issues. You know, I like I like to think that uh, I've got those Homer sperm. You remember the on The Simpsons that you know Homer went to the doctor and then there's all these little Homer sperm sort of swimming around in circles and bumping heads and and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so I've always in my in my mind that's sort of what my situation, you know. And now I'm I'm you know with my current partner. You know, I met her when she was four, four months pregnant, four and a half months pregnant. And I've just stepped up to the plate and I've been dad from day dot. And like I said, it's the most rewarding thing I've ever done. But now we're trying for a child together as well. And, and we've been doing the IVF thing as well. We haven't quite kicked that, that stage of the, the treatment off yet. Because again, you know, like everything, the pandemic and, and I mean, money's a thing as well. You know, there's, there's a lot of money involved in IVF but you know that's that's something we're working towards and it's a bit of a it's a bit of a a struggle to to get through because there's just so many steps that you need to go through and it's such a personal experience as well so you you not only are you trying to have a baby but you're having to air all your personal business to this stranger with a with a degree that can help you you know and so having to lay all your cards on the table it's it's another thing that can be a bit of a hit so how have you guys found ivf what's your experience been like um you know is it's it's like like you said i mean you're you feel almost vulnerable you feel like alone and and before we got even to that point like i felt like you know going through all those losses you know you i always say like i lost my wife like three times because 
if she could think about having another baby, another child, 25 hours a day, she would. Meaning like, you know, she, she thinks about it every second of the day. And, you know, you know, when you're sitting there or you're watching TV or you're doing whatever it is and you kind of see her kind of drift off, like, you know, she's not there. Like she's probably thinking about a million different things because that's what women do. Right. And it's not a knock on them. I mean, I, thankfully we have those them in our lives because they, they kind of tend to think about everything and we're very black and white cut and dry, but they kind of do all the thinking for us. And, you know, just knowing that she was, you know, not, not in the current situation, she was off thinking about, you know, is it her, you know, what did she do wrong? Like, you know, my body's failing me or, you know, did I not eat the right food or did I do this? And I shouldn't have done that. And it's just like, they, they always beat themselves up over it. And it's, it's a terrible thing to, and of course we were sitting there saying, no, it's not you. It's just not, it's like, like you can't think that way. You can't do this and you can't do that, but it's easier said than done. Right. Uh, so, I and mean, we tried, uh, we had that loss in October of 2020. So then I think we started trying like two months after that. So I think with like, the new year, we started uh, fresh and, you know, month after month. And I kept saying, she's like, oh, let's just try IVF. Let's just try IVF. And I'm like, no, we, like, we can do this like naturally. Like, not that I wanted to, you know, I was against having science intervene, but I was just like, no, we can do this. We don't need to go that route. You know, and then we even thought about, you know, adopting, we want to step further and, and, you know, had, had phone calls with people in adoption agencies, you know, because we didn't know what was going to work and if it would work. And we still don't as of yet, but you know, it's, it's, you know, watching your wife or your partner, you know, inject themselves every day. And, <laughs> you know, we have to, we have to donate our sample a couple of times. And, you know, it's funny. I had to do that. I think two or three times once the first time I think was because I had to just make sure that my, my boys were good. Right. And <laughs> I was at, at one point I was like hoping that they weren't because maybe I was like, I would take some of the stress off of her and she could be like, oh, okay, it's not me. It's my husband who, you know, his, his uh, sperm isn't moving the way it should, but I was all good. So of course she was like, oh, this is, you know, it's more on me and my body and my, what, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? But I started to give a sample for that. And then a, a sample for the actual, um, what's it called? Uh, to do, to do the, the fertilization themselves. Yeah. Yeah. It's for, they need the batter in order to bake the cake, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, but those were interesting experiences. They, they mean they put you in a room with a TV and a remote and uh, it's odd. So it's a weird thing. I mean, I, I so I, I don't know how many people watch DVDs of, of that kind of stuff these days, but I, I, I turned it on to see what they had to offer. And it was very bizarre. Um, I don't know how PG or R this can get. Oh, mate, look, it's, look, we're all dads here. We're all men. So we just go for it, dude. Well, I mean, like the, the, it was like, it was probably from the eighties. Uh, the, the title of the, the DVD was, was stuff me with anything. And there are these girls with, uh, uh, candlesticks, you know, using candlesticks to, you know, penetrate each other. And, um, <laughs> I was like, wow, um, this is way out of date. And like, we deserve better than this. We deserve much better than this. This is crazy. Absolutely, man. I remember when I was with my ex-wife and I first started doing fertility treatment with her, uh, you know, there was no TV and 
or, or anything like that. So that's awesome that you got that tool. But uh, they just had some some outdated magazines in there. I think they had some penthouses from the late 70s and early 80s. And So we're talking Bush. Yeah, we're talking Bush. Like, yeah. You know, and um, so that was all right. But, I mean, even then, you know, the, the Wi-Fi and, and all that sort of thing was still in its infancy as well. So I'm talking... Uh, let's say around 2006, 2007, thereabouts. And so, you know, it was going on to Pornhub or or something like that. That wasn't an option either. So, you know, having a vivid Im- imagination I found for that one helped me through that. <laughs> uh, That's good. But, you know, now going through this second lot as well, again, I've got, they've got magazines there and whatnot. And, but again, Wi-Fi is so much better now. You've got everything in the palm of your hand, so to speak. <laughs> Literally, yeah, right? <laughs> well, both palms, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so I found that was a lot easier. But yeah, it's still kind of awkward knowing that you're in that room by yourself and that nurse, although they're not obviously waiting at the door, like when are you coming out or whatever, but you know that there's somebody out there knowing that you're in that room pulling your put, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> and, and I don't know about you, but like, you know, I, I did it and I did it into the cup and the, you know, it, I'm like, is this enough? Is this an, like, you know, as a man, you want to be able to be like, yeah, I'm going to fill this cup. And this, you know, the more, the more, the better. Right. Um, and I was like, this, is this enough? Like, I don't, I don't know. Like, but it was, it's, I mean, I'm not, I'm not getting my, my average like ejaculation, you know, when I'm in a room by myself, I can, I can hear nurses in the hallway still like, I'm just trying to get this done and, and, you know, I don't want to say out of the way, but like, it's not a good experience. You know, you're not in the confines of your home and uh, alone and, or, you know, when you actually get to to have sex and, you know, that's, there's a lot involved in that. And, you know, there's much, I think the uh, sample would have been much better if like, you know. Absolutely. Absolutely. I know what you mean. Uh, and I mean, I was given that option to take the sample at home and then, and deliver it. But again, they said, oh, the sample has to be here within half an hour. I'm like, well, man, I'm 35 minutes away, so I'm going to have to come to your office. I don't have choice. But yeah, it would have been nice to be in the comfort of my own home and, and do all that. But, you know, I mean, I think especially for us, it's a, it's a pretty small price to pay. Oh, yeah. I, I don't, I don't want to confuse things. Like, I mean, like that's a cakewalk in comparison to what the women have to go through. I'm in no way complaining. Please, anyone listening to this, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to discredit the other side of things because, you know, I, I made it a point to, you know, I would, you know, she would do the injection, like, so she would like fill the syringe, and I would always check, like, she'd be like, okay, it's point whatever, right? And I'm like, yep, looks good. Like, I, I never like let her do that on her own, and I, I was always like next to her when she was doing it, just because I wanted to make sure that she felt like she wasn't alone, because it, I mean it can be a lonely experience. And I just wanted to make sure that I was there for her as much as possible. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think you're doing an awesome job there as part of a, like being a support because uh, that's one thing I've found with my partner as well is, is the emotional support is a, a massive thing, absolutely massive thing. And it's not just with the fertility treatment itself either. You know, I've, I've come into the room many times when, just two minutes ago, she had a big smile on her face and so she was perfectly fine. And then all of a sudden, like the almost like the, the tension in the air has shifted. Uh, what's going on, babe? What's happening? 
And nine times out of 10, it's another baby announcement on Facebook. You know, another friend is having a baby again. And I don't know about you, but I get really stuck in that position because although I'm trying to be comforting, I'm, I'm useless. I'm useless at that. You know, it's again, it's, oh, it's okay, babe. You know, it's just not our time yet. Their time is right and it'll happen for us, but don't worry. We just got to keep trying. Don't get down on yourself. And like you said, don't, don't beat yourself up. Don't think like that. Like we can get through this, but at the same time, it all just feels so empty. Yeah, you know, you get angry too because all these people that are you know, not, I should say all, oh, that's not a fair word. Um, but a lot of people you see having, you know, or these announcements or, you know, you see, you, you know, now that you, when you're a dad to begin with, like you see all these people who have kids and it's like, they have kids, like they don't give a shit about their children. Like, like why are they allowed to have three, four or five kids that they can't take care of? But two people who want to give nothing more than all the love they have in the world you know, we're struggling to, you know, have a second. And like, I, I don't know how you are and, and I don't know your situation with your partner, you know? So it's like, you know, we're, we're blessed that we have one, like there are people out there who can't even you know, struggle to have the first one. Like we're, we're so blessed and our son is so amazing and there was no issues with him. And, you know, we're, we're so grateful to have him. So it's like, and in the day we're like, I'm thinking like, this sucks. Right. But at least we have him like at, at the end of the day, we have him. And like, but they don't want to hear that. They they want they want a second one. They want and I I, I did too. Like I mean I I see my son playing by himself sometimes, and I'm like, oh man, I wish he had a little brother or sister to play with. And you know how how cool would that be? And he's you know he's going to be such a great older brother uh, to uh, his his sibling if if we get there. But yeah, you can't say that to them. They don't want to hear that. And, and not that I'm like they should like understand. It's just it's such a hard, difficult situation. It really is. Yeah, and it's something that I never realized how difficult it was until I had to start navigating it myself. Again, it's a bit like fatherhood. You can't really really convey how it truly feels to be in that position unless you're in that position. You know, I've spoken to a lot of other dads that have, you know, unfortunately had stillbirths or miscarriages or had to go through IVF and in a way, I can understand where they're coming from because I've, I guess, like had that loss in a way because we can't conceive naturally. But at the same time, I, I feel like an asshole. Like I'm taking something away from, from their experience because I'm going, oh yeah, look, I understand where you're coming from, you know, to a certain extent. And I, I really, really don't understand that grief and and everything else that's invested in in that experience. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird. I mean, you know, I don't want to like, I, I get caught up sometimes, you know, you know, feeling sorry for myself, right? Like, I, mean, I don't know, you know, where you are, like, so all my, my, my good friends, my close friends, they all know that I'm going, like my wife and I are going through this. They know that we've had the three losses. And it's like, it's like some, there's times where I'm like, I, I can't, it's hard that they don't ever like check in. Like they don't ever ask like, Hey, how, how are you doing? You know, you know, navigating that, like, and then even when like, you know, I, I told the story about having to, you know, provide a sample like multiple times, you know, in this, 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 this weird experience, I, I took pictures of the, the, the screen and like would send it to him. Like, this is what I'm working with here, guys. Like, where I said, I think about the first time I'm like, Hey guys, if you're not starting your morning off with stuffing with anything, you're doing it wrong. Yeah. You know? And like, you know, they, they didn't even like, <clears throat> none of them have even, even like 
checked in to see how things were going. And maybe it's because, well, there's a couple reasons. I think it's, we're all, we're all going through our own shit, right? You know, my friends have you know lost your grandmother. Um, my one friend's going through a divorce. The other one, his family dog passed away. So everyone's got their own shit, right? Like, so the, the, the feel sorry for John is like, oh, no one cares. And then, but like the grown up John realizes that everyone's got their own shit to deal with. Um, but yeah, I don't know if it's a guy thing. Like they don't want to talk about, or maybe they're afraid to bring it up. I can understand not bringing it up to a woman because they're the ones that, you know, experience loss. And again, like we said before, they're the ones overthinking everything. Um, it's not a bad thing. Please don't, don't think that I'm saying it's you know, overthinking is a bad thing, but you know, it would be harder to say to you know, a woman, I think like, Hey, how are you? Know, did you get pregnant yet? Or what's going on? But um, for us guys, it's like, you know, we said earlier, like our part of the, the journey is very small in comparison to what they go through, but it's just, it's just a weird, such a weird thing, man. It's just, it's such a weird thing. Yeah, absolutely. I think, well, firstly, that's, that's the main reason why I started this podcast, right? Is because men and dads aren't talking to, to each other about shit like this. We're not talking about all these really important issues that a lot of us are experiencing. And so sort of taking the secret out of fatherhood, you know, making that making dad's business not so secret is opening up those doors to, to sort of normalize it. And I think a lot of us don't start the conversation because we are a bit awkward. We don't know how to tackle it or where to start, what questions to ask. And I think, I think, um, you know, also it's not something that's at the forefront of our minds all the time either to, to just bring up our personal shit with our mates. You know, we're more inclined to talk about work or the, the latest football game or, you know, how the Yankees are doing in the World Series or, or whatever. We don't touch on all this deeper shit. Well, the Yankees haven't been in the World Series since, what, 2009? I don't know. I don't follow baseball. All right. I thought maybe you were a Yankees fan. I'm like, listen, buddy, I'm a Red Sox fan. Yankees haven't been in a World Series since 09. Oh no, and there's a big there's a big big thing between the the Red Sox and the Yankees, isn't there? Yeah. There was a big rivalry. Yeah, I think like in the early, you know, late 90s, early 2000s it's kind of kind of uh I think it was going away and I think it started to come back again. So, baseball's fun when sports are fun when there's that like that uh rivalry. Yeah. But see, again, this is a perfect example of how men talk, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, we, we, we can go from one subject straight to the other and, and it, it, it's seamless and we don't even think twice about it. And I, I can guarantee we could then go on and talk about baseball for another hour, you know. But again, it's, it's this stuff about, you know, talking to each other about these hard issues. Like I said, that's, I think that's why our mates don't reach out. They don't know how to tackle it. They don't know what are the right questions to ask. And I guess, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's it's just a thing that it's it's something that we have to break, that, that stigma, we have to break that wall down, you know, and sort of forget about all the other, the way other generations operated and start operating in a, a more inclusive way. Yeah, I'm glad you said that too, because I, mean, I don't know your relationship with your father, but like, I mean, my father, unfortunately, he passed away when I was 22 years old. But my father and I, like, he he was our dad, and we were the children. There wasn't a lot of um, emotional connection. There was he didn't talk a lot at all. Um, and then I'm sure his his father 
was kind of the same way, if not, you know, more closed off. And that's why he was the way he was. And I think the reason men are the way they are is because like, that's how we're almost taught, right? Like you're, you're be tough, like kind of push it down, get through the day, make sure your family's taken care of, make sure there's food on the table and your, your feelings don't matter. And I'm not saying be a wimp and, you know, cry about everything, but I think it's fair for us to, you know, have feelings and have emotions. And, you know, there's, I have no doubt that my son knows how much I love him and he will always know how much I love him. You know, I say I love him more times a day than I can count. Sometimes it, for me, it feels natural. I am the way I'm with my kid. and I'm not sure if it's just naturally, but I think it's naturally that way, or maybe subconsciously like I'm that way because I know that I wish I had more of that with my dad. Uh, and I, I knew he loved me and there was no, there was no question, but like, he never really said it. And that's like sad. Cause like I finished college and that's when he started to become like a friend of mine. Like he, I was able to tell him a dirty joke and it was okay. Um, we would shoot darts, uh, uh, you know, out and it would be fun, but I finished college and I think he was like, let the guard down and said, okay, I've done my job. I put him through school. He did well in school. Like you like I, I did my job as a parent. Now, I can be a friend. And then he passed away three weeks later, which was uh, shitty <laughs> to say the least. Yeah. I can imagine. Yeah. I, f- I feel worse for, you know, my mom, you know, losing her husband that early. And then I have two younger brothers who were 17 and 14. You know, so they, I mean, I had my dad I was fortunate. I had him through high school and some my high school graduation, some my college graduation. Uh, they didn't get that from him. So that's, that's a story for a different day, I guess. But <clears throat> what we're to talk about, I just feel like, you know, like it's okay to, to talk about how you feel. And I, I mean, I've cried a few times talking about, you know, the stuff that my wife and I have gone through over the past two years. It's not easy, but I mean, we got to talk about it, right? Well, that's right, man. And I mean, that's, that's one thing I'm trying to normalize with my son as well is, is again, I'm sort of trying to break that that old generational stigma of having to be, you know, sort of like a, a pillar of the family and just be strong and, and not talk about, you know, any bad shit. You know, that's mum's that's mum's job to nurture and that sort of thing. I'm trying to break away from that. And and a bit like you, you know, I mean, I didn't hear that all that often from my old man. You know, I don't have the in fact, my, my relationship with my old man now is non-existent, you know, and sadly, that's just the way it is. But I spent a lot of my life trying to prove myself to him. And I not once ever heard him say, I'm proud of you, son. And so like you, almost every day with my son, he does something. Hey, man, I'm proud of you. Or even just him existing, you know, I'm like, buddy, you're awesome. I'm so proud you're my son you know, and just instilling that in him that he is good enough. He doesn't have to keep reaching to, to get my approval. You know, just him being my son is good enough. You know, he doesn't have to, he doesn't have to fly to the moon. He doesn't have to, you know, be like Elon Musk and and be a billionaire. He, He doesn't have to do anything special for me to give my approval. You know, I'm proud of him regardless. And I love him for that because he's got his own personality, his own interests, and and sometimes those interests don't line up with mine either. 
But again, you know, it's something he wants to do and I'll support him in that. And if he excels, I'm proud of him, regardless of, of it, whether he wins or he loses, as long as he's trying his best, you know, at whatever he does. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, we introduced my son this year to sports. So we started T-ball in like April, May or whatever time of year it was. You know, from that to soccer, and I, I coach his, I help coach his T-ball team and like my wife helped coach his, his soccer team and then we put him in the basketball which i think he's like way too young for basketball even with a smaller ball there's no way he's going to put it up into the the net but i wanted to introduce him to everything early and kind of see what he like it's good for him to get out of the house right but his, his of course his team was the, a team that didn't have a coach so i guess who's the coach for his basketball team this guy right and i you know what it's it's fun it's cool like i just didn't want I didn't want to do this. I also don't want to be like the the son's coach for every team he you know is part of. I just don't want to do that because I think those kids get a bad rap. <laughs> like, oh yeah, you're the coach's son or whatever. But um, it's it's a challenge, man. Like, so I have kids that are like from age range four to six on my team, and you know we did practice on Tuesday, and after a full day of what whatever they're doing, kindergarten, daycare, whatever trying to keep their attention for, uh, you know, we did, we had an hour practice, but keeping their attention for an hour, trying to get them to do certain things. And like, not a lot, but just a little bit, dude, <laughs> it's crazy. It's like pushing water uphill with a rake, isn't it? <laughs> well, it's fun. I was reading stuff online. Cause like I, I used to play basketball, but like I played as a, you know, a, a kid that was sixth grade, you know, junior high, high school, you know, the coach told us to do stuff. We did it right. And I'm like, how do I get, how do I relate to these kids and get them to like do stuff that's, you know, pertaining to the sport? Like what if they're going to learn things. So thank God for Google. I jumped on there. And the first thing that the person said was, you know, you're going to have a lot of parents coming up to you and saying, you know, thank you so much for doing this. We really appreciate you doing this. And, and that has happened. We had our first game last Sunday. We were out to breakfast afterwards. One of the, the kids, uh, his teammates his parents came up to us and said, Hey, thank you so much for doing this. I'm like, yeah, whatever. But it's because like, it's a, uh, it's a super big challenge trying to get these kids to, you know, <laughs> do something. So, I mean, you've got a lot on your plate. You're like you said, you're, you're coaching basketball. You're, you're a full-time dad. You're working full-time as well, but you've also got your own podcast as well. Can you tell us a little bit about what you're doing with your show? Yeah, so the podcast that I have is called The Pop Go Project. Um, you can find it on all the streaming services, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, you name it. Uh, it's available in video format on Facebook and YouTube. Um, it's also on Instagram if uh, the episode ends up being under an hour, um, just because that's all they allow you to do in video format on Instagram. But <clears throat> I haven't gone on TikTok yet. I, I'm scared to do that. Uh, for a few reasons, I don't, I, I really don't know how to use it. I haven't tried, but I'm also not that funny. So I, I, I use that for entertainment. Um, so I would try and use it to be funny and I would probably fail miserably, but the Popco project, uh, was born from, well, let's, I'll, I'll tell you where I started. So I, I started my career in media. I used to work for, uh, a weekly newspaper called the weekender. And what the weekender was, I was an intern there, an intern to start. But what the weekender was, was a weekly entertainment newspaper where all the bars and restaurants and like, you know, entertainment type of things would advertise what they had going on for the weekend and, and all that kind of stuff. 
hence it was called The Weekender. And it was uh, an amazing publication. It was they, it was called, it was considered the Bible of like nightlife because, you know, that's how bars advertise what bands were playing, what their beer specials were, what their food specials were, all that kind of stuff. So it came out on Wednesdays. Everyone would flock to the newsstands, grab a weekender, and they would basically plan the rest of their weekend out. But, uh, you know, come 2007, 8, 9, you know, um, Facebook kind of uh, took over and made a, a big uh, play in the the online world. And people started saying, well, why should I advertise? Why should I pay to advertise when I can just advertise my stuff on my Facebook page? And then print media in general was on the, the a downslide. I'm not sure how things are where you are as far as like print media and things like that. I was fortunate we live in an area here in Pennsylvania that um, we're about like, was, the joke's always like we're 10 years behind everybody else. So <clears throat> um, I think we had a, a longer life, a longer shelf life with the a newspaper than you know most places do. But I started as an intern for the Weekender, and I remember saying when I was intern, I said, I, you know, I was I was 21 at the time. I'm like, you know, one day I want to be uh, the GM of this company, and I, I said it as being a 21 year old kid. I was just an intern, like whatever. But I finished college, and um, I got hired by the Weekender uh, full time as a, a marketing and sales associate. Uh, I went from marketing and sales to um, you know sales, and then I was a, a ad director and then I was promoted to general manager. Um it was great because I mean I loved music. I remember being 18 years old. I, I wanted to be 21 so bad because not not so I can go to the bars and drink, but I wanted to be able to go to the bars and watch bands play. I've just been obsessed with music for as, as far as I can remember. I hear you there, man. Yeah. I just you know something about it. I might I might uh after this is over run up to a show there's a, actually a venue closing uh, around me. Uh, with some bands playing tonight that uh, I really enjoy. So I might try and catch some of that. But <clears throat> I went from there uh, to work for some radio stations. And while I was working at the radio stations, um, I remember it was 2013. Um, it was a locally owned and operated radio station. So you have a lot of freedom with those. It's it's not the corporate radio where you have to, you know, all the red tape to cut through. But we had a local station and I said, I worked with a lot of bands at the weekend where we were, we did like uh, road trips and, and uh, bus trips and all kinds of stuff. But I said, what if we did like a local radio show where we just highlighted local artists for an hour? And the GM at the time looked at me like I had five heads and I'm like, Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, I said, no, I don't, I don't want to do it, but like, let's find someone to do it. Like there's a guy that works in the building. Like he could do it. He's a, he's a musician himself. He could, he's also a writer. He could very easily do this. Kind of laughed at me. That was 2013. I actually ended up leaving the radio stations after a year of being there because I, I thought I wanted to get out of you know business to business sales. Took a job somewhere else that was awful, god awful. They actually called me to come back to the radio stations six months later. I went back and I was there from 2015 to or 2014 to 2021. So seven years or so. But in the meantime, uh, we got a new program director. We had a new general manager. We had a station called Fuzz 92.1, and the new program director was from uh, Detroit. So he came in, and we were talking. And we were just, you know, we, had, we were having lunch one day, and he was telling us his, a little bit of his, about his background. And he said, you know, I used to do this a local radio show. And I'm like, dude, I wanted to do that on our station. We're locally owned. Like, it'd be great to to show that support for for people. 
and uh, I wanted to have it on on our station. He goes, well, let's do it. I said, cool. He's like, why don't you do it? And I'm like, dude, I have no business being on the radio. Like I can barely talk without mumbling uh, in a normal conversation. He's like, there's no one else that knows this local area and the local scene and local bands better than you. You'll figure it out. For, and I thought this was like never going to happen. But like a month later before I knew it, he's like, all right, you start on Saturday. And I'm like, oh, shit. So I hosted a local radio show on Saturday nights from 9 to 10 o'clock. Um, this, this station was called at the time Alt 92.1. So I called it Alt Natives on Alt 92.1. And uh, I spent three years uh, featuring local artists. It was an hour show a week, but it was really, it really gave musicians, you know, that they were featured on the radio, which I mean, radio is not as glorious as it once was, but there's still something about being featured on the radio for an artist that is like, it's cool, right? You know, they, t- they get to tell their parents like, hey, my songs will be on the radio. Like there's still like validity to that, right? Uh, so three, fast forward three years, this is like October of 2020 they wanted to change the format of the station. And uh, that meant that my show, what they what they call was going to be put on hiatus. And I made a, a post the other day, like, and you can relate to this too, as a, as a parent, you know, when I asked like, Hey, is this, is this show going to come back? I was told like, maybe, or we'll see. Now as a parent, those, those two words, you know, uh, you know, maybe, or two words being, we'll see are very powerful because you're not telling your kid, no, you're appeasing them. Like they haven't heard like, you know, an answer they didn't want to hear. They, didn't, they weren't told no, but it gives them like, you know, you say maybe we'll, or we'll see. And they're okay with that. They're satisfied. They'll go on their merry way and good chance they're going to forget about what they even asked. Right. Well, as a 35 year old man at the time or 30, no, I was 37. I, I knew what that answer meant. It was like telling me, you know, we'll see, or maybe like, I knew that that's bullshit. Like there's not happening. Right. So I was so immersed in the the local scene. And I, I, I say to this day, like, I think I needed them more than they needed me. Right. I'm like, how do I stay a part of these these bands lives? Like, how do I, how do I keep supporting them? How do I keep doing what I was doing, but not on the radio. And when I was on the radio, I also, I was, I had a, a, a podcast on the side called alt natives after hours that I was doing the same thing I'm doing now, but I felt like, you know, you can do an interview on the radio with a band, but it's like the quick two minute thing. Like, you know, what's your, what, you know, where are you guys from? What do you do? What do you play? How'd you get your band name or whatever? It's just like stupid cookie cutter stuff, you know? So I did the podcast to kind of like give them an opportunity to, you know, talk about, you know, who they are as people um, more in depth about how the bands got started, things like that. So I said, all right, well, if the station that I'm working for, you know, doesn't see value in what I was doing, fuck them. I'll just, I'll just do it on my own. And I called it the Popco Project. I didn't want to have my name in it, but people who are smarter than me said, you got to have your name in it. People know who you are here. Like you spent, you know, at the time was 15 years in local media. Um, you got to have your name in it. People know who you are. So I, I called it that. Uh, and I've been able to interview bands. Um, it's primarily bands, but also just people that I, I say that add value to the world around them. And I've, I've talked to, um, you know, uh, chefs at restaurants, restaurant owners, bar owners. I just uh, talked to the uh, head of brewery operations at a, a brewery that's around here the other day. Um, but it just gives bands an opportunity to promote themselves, talk about who they are, what they do, why they do what they do. You know, they can promote upcoming shows. They can promote their music. They can do whatever they want to do. But that's what that is. 
again, it's it's on all the streaming services, Popcorn Project on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all that good stuff. Um, if you're looking for now, and I had, the, I had the pleasure of I I talked to a member of Breaking Benjamin. That's cool. Yeah, I'm I'm very fortunate to uh, be friends with the bass player. Um, so he uh, offered me his time to you know chat. That's awesome, man. I love Breaking Benjamin, man. Yeah, they've put out some good music. Yeah, they're they're a great band. Uh, I've had the pleasure. I mean, even the guys that are no longer in the band, um, I'm friends with them still. Uh, I just talked to Josh Balls, who was in Motionless and White. If you're familiar with them. He's got, he owns some uh, stores and around in our, our area now. Uh, I have to talk to Tiger's Jaw. Not sure if you're familiar with that at all. Uh, Gasoline Heart, which is a great band. They're not like big, but they're uh, a great band. Uh, I talked to the, I kicked off my whole podcast with uh, one of the members from Bowling for Soup. Bowling for Soup. That was cool. Nice. Yeah. So that's what that's about. Yeah. That's awesome, man. I think I think what you're doing is a great idea, honestly, because again, uh, like you said, it's it's something for it's good for for local bands and and independent artists to really get their stuff out there. And like you said, that's where it's good for the radio. Um, like over here, we've got a, a, a media company called ABC, the, the Australian Broadcasting Company, and the government funded. They've got a, a radio station called Triple J, and that's where they play all the independent artists and up-and-coming artists. And a lot of the times, that's where it'll start to catch on. And then the mainstream, you know, commercial radio stations will start picking up the popular stuff, and that's when it's, it starts coming mainstream. But, again, they've got a funny little audience that once it's, once it's no longer indie and they become they, – they, they're on the mainstream – Broadcasting services, they're like, oh man, they sold out. I don't want to listen to that anymore. So yeah, there's some really diehard people out there that listen to Triple J. Personally, I I'm not a fan of it because it's not my genre of music. They do, you know, they had their one hour a day where they play a lot of heavy metal and that sort of thing. But yeah, you know, each to to each their own, in my opinion. But I think it's great what you're doing, just helping independent artists and and underground artists sort of get their foot in the door and, and start getting their music in the people's ear holes. Yeah. I like to think that, you know, um, if nothing more, I mean, I'm still growing my audience obviously, but if nothing else they get, I, I, I try and do like, you know, Instagram promotion, like, you know, story posts and, you know, regular posts and Facebook posts and tags and all that kind of stuff. And at the end of the day, I hope that they can use it as content for, you know, Hey, I, I, I had an interview with, uh, you know, what, Popco, who's this local uh, music critic or whatever you want to call it, but it gives them kind of like you know the internet's a funny place. You can you know say you're a bunch of things. Like for instance, I am uh, I'm an award winner uh, over here. I'm an award winner. I'm an award winning podcaster. Uh, some of those are awards are for uh, you know I won Radio Personality of the Year. Uh, the show won an award, but the Popco Project just won Press of the Year for the Steamtown Music Awards. Yeah, I mean it's like it's again it's. I know it's a it's a local award show. It's not and it's not a Grammy. It's not like a, a, a big level, but uh, you know, I guess people are recognizing you know what we're doing, and that's all I can ask for. And I appreciate it. Absolutely, man. I, I look. I think especially it, it doesn't have to be a Grammy or anything huge. 
I think just just something even something small it, it it tells you you're on the right track you know and the people are really digging what you're doing so I think that's awesome man keep doing what you're doing oh well thanks for coming on the show pop co I appreciate having a chat with you man yeah absolutely man thanks for uh offering me the time to talk to you and you know we got we got to stick together as dads and uh it's good to see a like-minded father like you you know out there doing the right thing and being a part of your children's lives and I hope the best for you and your partner and the journey you're on. Uh, it's definitely not an easy one, but it's, it's definitely, uh, I hope it's worth it in the end. And regardless of the outcome, it's, it's definitely, you know, hopefully it brings you guys closer together, you know, as much as uh, if, if God forbid it doesn't go the way it wanted to, like you guys can just stay strong together and be there for one another. And, and, you know, at the end of the day, just, you know, being happy with what you have and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. And likewise, man, I really hope everything works out for you guys as well. Cause again, I know, I know being in fertility treatment myself, it's, it's a taxing, emotionally taxing sort of uh, journey to go through. So, you know, you just, you've got each other and you've got to just look after each other, you know? Yeah. And we didn't even get into, you know, navigating a pandemic with being, being dads and being parents. Like that's probably a conversation for a different day. That's a, it's been a wild ride, man. Yeah, well, I mean, you'd you'd also think falling pregnant during a pandemic would be a hell of a lot easier too, considering everybody was locked down at home, nowhere to go, nothing to do. <laughs> oh, man, this has been awesome talking with you, man. I know you've got, you know, it's what eight thirty over there, eight forty-five. So I'll let you get on with your evening, brother. But I appreciate chatting with you, man. Yeah, thank you again. I really appreciate it. Thanks for uh, you know giving people an opportunity to talk about things that um haven't been uh talked about before so but yeah no i appreciate it man thank you so much for your time thank you man all right catch you later brother all right see you thanks for listening to the show if you want to find out more about today's guest just check out the links in the show notes you can follow the podcast as well on social media at not so secret dad's business or on our website not so secret if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please rate and review the show. It helps more than you realize. Until next time, guys, be the best dad you can be.